0: What's up, folks? This is Tony Brew. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about judging. This is the topic that we talk about often. And I think it is pertinent every time it's brought up. You could probably talk about this topic once a month because human beings and their interactions with one another functioning within the boundaries of God's morality always have to make judgments. And there's a difference between judging actions and judging intentions. Uh, We might talk some about that today. But I think what happens is we deal with judging on a daily basis. Nobody likes to be judged. I don't want to be judged. I mean, look, I've told you I have some particular struggles as far as uh, food consumption. Um, genetically, I have a slow metabolism. My, my daddy had a slow metabolism. Um, the, several people on my father's side of the family are you know, very large people not just large but they're also some of them are obese but the problem is um you know we i don't i still don't want to be judged just because i might have a well look you know i'm i'm overweight sadly i run into people who judge well you you must be lazy if you're overweight you must not have very good impulse control if you're overweight or this that and the other like i mean not any more than any other human being it's just my particular shortcomings and proclivities are exacerbated because I have this metabolism where my body says, Oh, you're always in starvation mode. You're always, you're always in, um, famine mode. So anything that you eat, we're going to let you live off the bare minimum and we're going to store. Well, that's no good. And, uh, so I don't want to be judged harshly. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I saw a, a Facebook post come across my timeline today about certain airlines are going to start weighing their uh, passengers, and I'm like, you know, I have no problem with that because guess what? It costs fuel. It costs space. Um, if I if I went down a if I if I rode on an airplane, uh, I'm not I'm not that big yet. In other words, I can still I can I'm, I'm still a, of a proportion to where I don't know how to say this without being a little blunt, I'm still of a of a proportion. I'm tall enough and my bone structure is dense enough, my muscle is dense enough that even though I'm carrying around hundred extra pounds, I still only take up one seat. But there are some people who don't. And you know what? You ought to have to pay extra. If you take up two seats on the plane, you ought to pay extra. And if I weigh four hundred pounds and you weigh hundred pounds, that's that's germane to what that price of that flight will cost because it's germane to the cost to get that airplane from point a to point b anyway that was just on my mind as we start let's look at the let's look at the comment section uh we've already got some really good comments i think um good to be here tony i hope you're continuing to heal after your fall absolutely i'm i'm way past that i mean everything's all good uh i do have this I do have this terrible bruise that, you know, I don't know if you know this or not. I didn't know it until it happened to me, but, um, let's say that you get a really, really bad bruise on your shoulder and it's just deep purple. And then as it dissipates, oops, as it dissipates, it doesn't stay at your shoulder. It actually goes down. So gravity pulls that contusion down and, I think that's interesting that this has happened with this bruise here on my arm, because my arms rest in certain ways and they don't really know where to go. Uh, this bruise is traveled on around, on around to the other side of my arm. It's very interesting. Um, but anyway, thanks for asking, Diana. Uh, appreciate you, Reginald Perry. Good morning, Brandon Wild. Good morning to you, John Exum. Good morning, Tony. I'm with the Council of Nice to see you. <laughs> Uh, Connie Barden, good morning, Brandon wild. Uh, this is so hard for me not to do Brandon wild. What is so hard for you not to do? All right. Or wait a second, judge. Sorry, my bad. I forgot the context of when, when I, what I was saying, whenever you would have wrote that, um, my mindset is always thank the best and prepare for the worst and err on the side of grace and then and err on the side of grace over condemnation hello terry crooks good morning brandon wild says i'm fat too tony yep and you know one of these days hopefully if i keep going the direction i've been going in lately i won't be uh do not speak evil of one another brethren. he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law but if you judge the law you're not a doer of the law but a judge there is one law giver who is able to save and to destroy who are you to judge another That's again, good question. You know, we're going to talk about that because, sorry, I didn't mean to put you on blast, John. Uh, We're going to talk about that today in this podcast because that's a, that's a pertinent, I mean, that right there is pretty damning when it comes to judging, but yet the scripture also talks about how we are to judge. So, uh, Scott Beck. Yes. Now I, I actually have a, an update on that <clears throat> and I, well i'll i let, let me get whenever i get to that I'll, I'll holler all right hey hey alabama here's what i found for myself when i get tired of being overweight i'll do something about it telling me i need to lose weight or making fun of me won't help me or won't help anything well that's that's true uh pair with me just a second i'm gonna cut my video off i gotta get up and go over here i forgot something that is very very needed i mean we can't do the live stream without it and i'll show you what it is when i get back all right i'm back i forgot my coffee see the see the sticker the we talk truth group or the we talk truth sticker i rather enjoyed those times whenever we're doing that this this lets you know how old this coffee thermos is it's probably five or six years old by now Canada do have good coffee. I will say, I will give it that. Hello, sword and pearl. All right, Scott Beck, are you still able to ride your bike? Yes. Now, the difference between here and Toronto is whenever we were in Toronto, my truck parked, and for one solid year, it never left the driveway. And we rode every, I rode my bicycle everywhere. In fact, uh, I can still look it up on my Strava. The last, I say I can give me just a second. And I'll tell you, uh, as I'm looking it up though, I'll, 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 flesh out the story. So I got down to like 340 pounds. So I went down from like 400 to 340 during that time we were in Toronto. Um, however, My, my issue is when I moved here to the East coast, we, um, I had, I had some issues with the, uh, with the weather change, uh, stress, whatever. And I had arthritis set up in my knees and my elbows, and I was incapacitated for about three months for about three months going into the fourth. I I honestly thought we was going to have to move back down South like it was, it was bad. I have never felt pain like that in my life. Um, and it, because I was so incapacitated, I couldn't move. I just, I mean, you know, you eat and you don't move. And then you, I, I gained all that weight back. Well now, uh, for the last two years, I've been really, uh, healthy in my joints, uh, all that good stuff. And, I sold my truck and we purchased a 2016 Honda CRV and I had enough money left over that I purchased an e-bike. Um, and I, I got a really nice e-bike one with the big fat tires, double suspension. Um, so when the weather breaks this starting this year, when the weather breaks, uh, that will be my source of transportation. I'm just going to ride that e-bike everywhere. Like the rule will be, if, you know, if I want to go get some groceries, I got to take the e-bike. If I want to go, you know what, if I want to go to Tim Hortons and drink coffee, got to take the e-bike. If I want to, anything that I want to do, but I'm also going to ride just period. And I'm going to use that to help me trans uh, uh, ease into the transition of riding my non e-bike again, because right now it would be very, very difficult for me to just throw a leg over a bicycle and have any kind of fun because I just, I'm so far out of shape uh, as far as what I was when I was in Toronto. Um, the last ride that I rode in Toronto was September 13, 2021. And it was a distance of 33.37 miles. And I rode 33.37 miles in two hours and 58 minutes. And that's, uh, that's, that's, that's tuning along for a big boy. You know, I mean, I was 340 pounds and I was, I, I rode 33.37 miles in, in roughly three hours. So anyway, yeah. And, and, and the e-bike, I mean, it's so ex, if you're going to exercise, it doesn't feel like work if it's also fun. That's why. That's like why when you were a kid, you could go swimming at your buddy's house. You know, if you had a, if you had, if you were friends with one of the kids in the neighborhood that had a pool and you could, you could swim for three or four hours. And like when you come home, you just crashed because you were so tired. You didn't realize how much energy you were expending and, or playing basketball or something like that. But, but just to get on a treadmill and walk for 30 minutes, it's almost impossible. So if I were to have to get back on my bicycle and, ride around a block or a ride for 30 minutes that would just be so difficult but if i got an e-bike i can get on there i can have fun i can play um you know i can ride across town to go see something and you're still burning the same amount of calories and, and oddly enough you're burning the same amount of calories with an e-bike you're just traveling a farther distance because it's, it's you it's just faster uh, yeah wayne vaughn i wish i had the money to get one yeah and wayne listen um this really and truly the, the me purchasing this e-bike was not, it was money left over from back whenever LaBeth and I were working in the States and we were making that American money. Um, I also think a good thought to have here is, uh, to, is to be quick to listen and slow to condemn because condemnation of man may not equal condemnation of God. I hope you know what I mean by this. I absolutely do, John. Uh, and, and consider, and, and with, with judging, um, I also think a, a good thought, oh, sorry, wrong, we, or my comment section jumped. Hold on. It's the first thing that someone doing wrong will say. Don't judge me, not knowing that we are to use righteous judgment, and we're going to talk about that absolutely. Yeah, do not judge according to appearance. Hello, Sword and Pearl. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Glad you're here this morning. Hey, hey, Alabama, I got your comment. Okay, we're caught up on comments. Um. Yeah, Scott Beck says, love the ebay e, e, the eBay. Love the e-bike idea. Yeah, it yeah, what you save in gas look, especially in this market in um especially in this market in um Canada, an e-bike will pay for itself rapidly. Restoring someone implies a necessary judgment. To discern one who is in sin, so you can bring them back, absolutely. And you know what? This I've said this too. If 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 all judging is sinful, and Christians cannot judge, then you don't know. You I mean you couldn't carry out the Great Commission? Take for instance, I'll use the the last commenter, Nathan Franson. So let us say that I'm I'm at a gas station and I see old Nathan Franson, and uh, he's. He looks like a he looks like a bona fide heathen to me in his all blacks uh, attire. Uh, I think that's the team he roots for. Um, he it's it's November, so he hasn't shaved, or there's there's some something to do with the football season that, or the uh, not football. There's something to do with the rugby season that he that, that that he he spends some time not shaving, so he he looks like an old scraggly center uh, to me. And I say, hey, my name's Tony. What's going on? He says, well, my name's Nathan. I'm like I say, you're a, a a rugby fan. Oh, yeah. And uh, he'll go, so then, then we've got to talk. And then I'll, I'll work religion in there. And, it, and depending on what he says, Brandon, oh, they call rugby. Fo- I thought rugby was different than football. I thought football was soccer and rugby was rugby. And and what we call football in the United States is American football. Ah, my hockey playoff beard. Okay, I, th- I thought it was something to do with um with rugby, Nathan. Um, so, <laughs> that's what I get for judging. Anyway, uh, okay, so it's all football. Fair enough. So I see you're a football fan. Yes, I am. Well, so what you doing? Well, the my team's got a game today. That's awesome. Well, you know what? I like football too. And and you know one of the things about what I like to do is is I like to get a bunch of my friends together and and we like to watch the game and it's really good and so on and so forth. And then I work Jesus into the conversation. And he might say, well that sounds really, really good, but that might not be a very fun party if you if you're just a bunch of Christians, you can't drink, you can't carouse. Okay. At that point, I have made a judgment that this man needs the gospel because he does not have the gospel. That's judging folks. Now, what if I say what if what if I say that he goes? Wait a second. You mean you get your friends together and you all watch the game, and you don't drink, you don't carouse, you don't cuss. You're just Christians. Yeah. Well, I I would love to be a part of that. I'm I I, I attend. The Mariposa Church of Christ in California. Well, I attend the Riverview Church of Christ in Riverview, New Brunswick. Okay, now I have made a judgment that this man doesn't need the gospel. He already has the gospel. So, to Nathan's uh, comment up here from uh, Galatians 6.1, even carrying out the Great Commission, it implies that we must judge so maybe before we just condemn outright judging or maybe before we wholesale endorse judging maybe we define the term that's a good this a good this a good good suggestion tony i can let myself go for rugby as well cool beans brandon why oh, all football um absolutely discernment as john says is a good John Exum, not John the apostle, uh, that a discernment as John Exum says is a good thing to have. And really, and truly, if you want to break it down and and, and now admittingly, this is a little bit reductive. It's, it's potentially a little bit of an oversimplification. Okay. And, and I want to get this comment in a moment. Uh, it's a little bit of an oversimplification But the judging that you're supposed to do is discernment, and the judging that you're not supposed to do is condemnation. You and I do not decide whether or not someone is condemned, nor do you and I decide to pronounce condemnation on someone. We only discern what God's word has already passed down. And I suppose one would go to uh, John chapter 12 to get that verse. Let me, let me go there. John 12, 40 and some change. 44, 44, 45, 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. Incidentally, that's judges and keeps on judging. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Now there's there's an implication here. There's a double layer here. Right now, we were we began to be judged and are continued to be judged by the word, and then at the end of time, or you know, it's appointed unto man wants to die, and after that the judgment. So at the judgment day, we're going to stand before God, and there's going to be a reckoning for how we were judged by the word. So we we could we could conceptualize it like this well to as we as we as we go through this life we are being judged by God's word and then on the day of judgment we're going to stand before that judge and he is going to see how we stacked up compared to God's word and apply any grace that we're entitled to because of our relationship with with him through Christ Jesus and if there is not grace that we are to which we are entitled then he will pronounce condemnation which is judgment so i guess there's three ways to use judgment there's a judgment of pronouncing condemnation or sentencing there's judgment as in you're going to discern whether or not someone is righteous or condemned and then there's a third way of you're condemning someone for what they're doing so we don't condemn like if you know if somebody i'm not going to use anybody's name for this one because this is kind of egregious but it's but if i found out that one of my friends was having an affair with his uh, uh, uh on his wife with somebody else well that's the only way you can have an affair anyway if i found out that one of my friends was cheating on his wife with another woman i would not condemn him because i would not have to he is already condemned I would simply go to him and I would pull a, a Galatians six one. I would try to restore him and consider myself. And then if he didn't repent, he's going to stand before God and the condemnation he has received from the word based on that condemnation, a sentence of well done, good and faithful servant, or depart, ye, depart from me, I never knew you, is going to be passed down. Well, that's how that works. And theologically, script, you may, you may tweak that a little bit because that's using an earthly illustration for some heavenly points there. Wayne Vaughn, if we cannot judge, why do we have judges in the courts? Good question. If if all judging was sinful as the, as the way that non-Christians, some non-Christians, and quite frankly some Christians believe, then it would be a sin for a Christian to be a judge. All right. And think about this. Even even a judge sitting on the bench today, the judge cannot arbitrarily convict you and be a righteous judge. The judge has to only acknowledge where the law has condemned you. And then he passes sentence. Yes, Brandon Wilde, if the talk did not work, I would I would take witnesses. I, I, would take, I would take some people with me. And then if that didn't work, we would go before the church. Absolutely. Matthew chapter 18, 15, and following all the way. Um discernment. Uh, Then you shall again discern, this is Malachi 318, between the righteous, oops, that's what I get for not clicking it, it jumped, hold on, nope. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Yeah, can you tell a difference between one who serves God and one who doesn't? I can, I know you can. I'm not saying you, John. I'm just saying you as in folk in general. Um, And then this one is is a fine example, mighty fine example. Hello, Susan Marie. Good to see you. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, lest those who by reason of use, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, I got a sermon that I preach from time to time. And the title is, Is It Sin? Dot, dot, dot. I don't care. Well, is it a sin for a Christian to have a tattoo or to get a tattoo? I don't care. Let's talk about whether or not God wants me to do it. Is it a sin for a a Christian to, to dance? I don't care. Let's see what God wants. Now, let's define dancing. A 16 year old boy and a 16 year old girl at a dark corner of a gymnasium when there's not enough parental supervision dancing the way they dance. Yeah, that's, I, I've used, I've exercised my senses to discern good and evil, and that's evil. But what about me and my wife in our living room with the coffee table moved out of the way, listening to them, to, to music? Well, that's, that's good. I mean, in fact, there's nothing me and my wife can't do. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing my wife and I cannot do with one another that it would be considered evil. Marriage is honorable and on the bed undefiled anyway. So that so I've got, I've got a sermon where i have several things like that where it's issues of judgment, but we kind of look at the ancillary things surrounding it or the extraneous detail. And we look at the uh, other things surrounding it and see whether or not God would want us to do it. Um, yeah, discern is distinguishing or, or judging by according to Thayer. Uh, yeah, just search, just searched Judge on my trusty, rusty e sword. Uh, folks, before I go any further, just because some of you ask, um, you can support the uh, show monetarily by sending money to nearchurches at gmail.com. That goes directly to me and Aaron Dotson. That's, this is not a work of any church. You're not supporting any ministry. This is supporting us as podcasters. All right. Now y'all Robert Leedy, a friend of the show, a friend of mine, he, he listens to the show quite often. Um, I can't remember where he's from. I should have had him write me a little biography. He did a fine job on this article. I like the way it's laid out. Um, it's not a very long read. If you'll indulge me, I, I quit doing this for a while because I, I, w- I didn't get any feedback and I didn't know whether or not people liked it or not. Um, But I'm going to read this article and and we'll offer commentary and I'll take some of your comments. Um, in fact, on Substack, if you'll subscribe on Substack for free, you get access to all the articles we put out Monday through Friday. And now Aaron Dotson has started a Saturday series that's going to be for our premium subscribers and they'll, and you'll have access to that if you're a $5 a month subscriber. Um, but anyway, what does the Bible teach about judging, uh, on Substack, I'm going to, I've, I've, I got discombobulated in my schedule and I've got some things worked out again where st- hopefully starting Monday, I'll be able to sit down and narrate some of these articles and, 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 and start uploading them then on Substack. <coughs> Pardon me. All right, what does the Bible say about judging by Robert Leedy? Not so very long ago, if you would ask a random stranger of the on the street if they knew a Bible verse, most would be able to say John 3.16. For God shall love the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was a verse that most people knew even if they had never been to church. The fast forward to present day America. If you ask someone if they know of Bible verse today, a common response will be, Judge not, lest you be judged. Matthew 7.1. When you try to correct someone of sin, a common response is, Don't judge me. Doesn't the Bible say not to judge? Let us examine, or let us now examine what the Bible teaches about judging. First off, judging according to appearance. James 2, 1-4, the Bible reads, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand here or sit here at my footstool.'" Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? And incidentally, or oh, judges with evil thoughts. In in this particular version, the King James says judges of evil thoughts, but of evil thoughts. What might make you think that you judge whether or not somebody's thoughts is evil? But no, this is a better translation here. Uh, you become judges with evil thoughts. Well. James is condemning judging based on appearances in this text. Judging based on appearance does two things. Judging, uh, number one, judging shows partiality. Number two, it is described as being a judge with evil thoughts. This type of judging is wrong. I like that. No no bones about it. This type of judging is wrong. The first part of John 7.24 says, Do not judge according to appearance. We will talk about that. We will talk about the second half of this verse later in the article. John is saying "Do not not to judge based on how someone looks. It is easy to judge based on looks. Have you ever looked at someone that was covered in tattoos and piercings and thought to yourself, I bet they're up to no good? I have. Shouldn't have, but I have. Do you ever look at someone dressed in a suit and think to yourself, that man is rich. He can do anything he wants with all that money he has. It is easy to look around and automatically start judging them based on how they look. This is the type of judging that is condemned without throughout Scripture. Now, before we get into the next section, I want to make a, I want to make a statement here. Whenever I was in the Memphis School of Preaching, we had a dress code, and you had to wear a button-down uh, shirt, collared shirt with a tie, and a pair of dress slacks and a pair of dress pants. And, um, I went ahead, you know what? I might as well throw on a coat. So I wore a, a, a suit most of the time. And what I found, and I had never done it before. I'd never gone out in public in a suit very much or any of that or any uh, and the other. And what I found is if you're wearing a three piece suit, or if you're wearing a suit and you go out into public, people treat you differently than if you go out in regular clothes right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just the way it is. They, they take what you say more seriously. They respect you more. And, uh, yeah, we should not judge on appearances, but people do it all the time and it's, it's not supposed to be done and Christians shouldn't do it. Well, nobody should do it, but it's, it's a sin to, to judge by appearance. All right. Brandon Wild says, I'm the one with a lot of tats. Well, that's okay. Um, that's, you'll be fine. I promise. Uh, now I don't think that I'm not going to tell my 16, 17 year old children coming up. Hey, I want you to go get inked up from head to toe, but I mean, I've got tattoos. No, I don't. I have a tattoo. I, 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 I wasn't trying to lie to you. I was, when I said I've got tattoos, that was a general description. And, um, but then I thought, well, that would be misleading. So that would be like, hey, you know, I've got children if I only had one child. But anyway, sorry, I'm overthinking that. I've got a tattoo. I mean, it's not a sin to have a tattoo. It's not a sin to get a tattoo. I'm done with that. We'll have a podcast about that for another day. (laughs) Does MSOP accept suit donations? Yes, they do. And in fact, um, if you know anybody that has suits to get rid of, that's a little on the bigger side, see if they'll send them to MSOP, because I will tell you this, it seems like once a month somebody donated a bunch of suits to MSOP and a bunch of ties and shirts and this and the other. I never was able to take advantage of that because, you know, I'm 6'2", and I was 300 pounds when I went. I gained 100 pounds while I was there. But 6'2", and 300 pounds, and a healthy 300 pounds at that is still a big, big boy, and most people just aren't that big. So I had to buy all my stuff. But yes, MSOP accepts suit donations, uh, coordinate, just call, call the number and coordinate with the secretary and, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll get you. They, 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 would love to have them. Um, oh yeah. The next part of the article judging hypocritically. I really like how they, look, if you, you can't preach this, you ought to be in a different line of work. I mean, it's judging. So we got, what does the Bible teach about judging? Point one Introduction, point one, judging according to appearance, judging hypocritically, and judging righteously. And then the conclusion. It's almost like this guy's a preacher. I bet he's a preacher somewhere. What do y'all think? Judging hypocritically. Let's look now at Matthew 7, 1 and its context. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 says, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank that is your, and and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The type of judging condemned here is hypocritical judging. We must not judge someone when we are guilty of the same thing. We must make sure that we are right with God before we try to help someone else make sure they are right with God. The Bible condemns hypocritical judging. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to elaborate on the definition of hypocritical and, and I'm not saying this is a, this, this not negative about the article. It wasn't his job to define the word hypocritical. It was his job to use the word hypocritical. But there's a, hypocrisy is not having a standard and falling short. Hypocrisy is having a standard for others different than yourself. I have sawdust in my eye. You've got sawdust in yours. Just because I have sawdust in my eye doesn't mean that you need to keep the sawdust in your eye. And I might be able to help you, and you might be able to help me. But the problem is, if I, if I ignore my own issues, but yet I condemn you, that's the problem with judging. The Pharisees displayed hypocritical judging, absolutely. Rules for thee and not for me. Oh, man, Jesus is, they were so, listen to this. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. You know, little bitty garden herbs that you'd find on a window box planter. You pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and you leave undone the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faith. These ought you to have done and not to have left the other undone. Woe unto you, you blind guides, you, you, you strain it gnat, you you swallow a camel. You hypocrites, you've got a standard for yourself that's much more lax than your standard for other people. You're out here worried about whether people are giving 10% of a garden herb, and yet you're robbing the people that you should be taking care of. All right. Judging righteously. Up to now. Y'all, this is my favorite paragraph in the article, by the way. Up to now, we have looked at the type of judging that the Bible condemns. Now, let us look to the type of judging the Bible commands. And I don't think we focus on that enough, folks. Is judging wrong? Well, how do you define judging? Because there's a there's judging that the Bible condemns and judging that the Bible commands. As we've talked earlier in the podcast. the judging that the bible commands is wrapped up in how we carry out the great commission is wrapped up in how we help one another get to heaven it's discernment you have to decide well john 24 john 7 24 rather do not judge according to appearance but judge with a righteous judgment Christians are to judge with a righteous judgment. All judgments must be in line with the word of God. If it doesn't go against the clear teaching of the Bible, we must not pass judgment. Do you know anybody, God forbid, that you know anybody's got a Christmas tree and a foyer of their church building? How, how How would you treat that congregation? Would you write them off and say that they're apostate? What about a congregation that, uh, on Easter Sunday, allows the little children between worship services or church services to get out there in the churchyard and hunt Easter eggs folks unless it goes against clear teachings of the bible we must not pass judgment we we must speak where the bible speaks and be silent where the Bible is silent now if you it, there, there's a difference between should not and must not y'all don't think I don't think, a, I, don't think a con- I don't think a church building should have a Christmas tree in the foyer. I don't think a congregation should have an Easter party on Easter Sunday with hiding Easter eggs. And I would I'd stand by that with anybody. But if I'm not a member of that congregation, it's not a, it's none of my business. It's a First Thessalonians 4 issue. Study to be quiet and to do your own work with your own hands to mind your business, it's not my place to judge. Now, here where we are at the Riverview Church of Christ in Riverview, New Brunswick, I I thus discern that it would not be expedient to put a Christmas tree in the foyer or to have an Easter egg hunt. It it just wouldn't, wouldn't be expedient, therefore we couldn't do it here doesn't matter what well Nathan Francis, was the last comment doesn't matter about Mariposa Avenue doesn't matter about Han, uh Hannibal Church of Christ I'm not part of that I don't I, I can't comment on it you see we've got to judge according to righteous judgment and if the Bible hasn't legislated something then we cannot judge we got to be like the judge sitting on the bench. Whenever the prosecuting, uh, the the state uh, brings forth the the defendant, and what are the charges? Well, this guy is just a ne'er do well. Well, what laws has he broken? Well, we just don't like it. Get this case off my dock and quit wasting my time. Look at him; I don't like him either. I can't put him in jail. He's not broken any laws. I don't care if he's living in a in a way that you don't like. Well, same way with that. Like I can't believe that that congregation has a Christmas tree in their foyer. Well, what what law are you going to use to con, to 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 discern that they are in sin? You can't. All right. Let me let me go on. Let me before I bog down too much there. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit." but test the spirits, oh, there's some judging, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. If we are judging to do, or excuse me, if we are going to do what this verse says, a judgment must be made. If we're going to judge what someone teaches to be true or not, we must hold their teaching up to the word of God and make sure it aligns with Bible teaching. If it does not align with Bible teaching, it is our responsibility to first Make that known to the person. Show them what the Bible teaches about the subject. If they still insist on teaching the false doctrine after that, we must mark them as false teachers. Romans 16, 17-18 says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. We must make judgments whether something is sinful or not. If the Bible teaches that something is sinful, we must stay away from it. Not only that, but we must teach others to stay away from it and show those who already engaged in it that the Bible teaches that it is sinful. When you try to correct someone of sin, many accuse you of judging and hating while it is judging, it's the type of judging that the Bible commands, not the type of judging that the Bible condemns. Also, it is not hate to show someone that God's what God's word says about this matter or that matter. It is the most loving thing one can do for another. It shows love for one's eternal soul. Scott Beck, it seems some... It seems some see, Scott, I am having much trouble with the English language. It seems some see judging indicating a final decision, but discernment comes with love and concern for the individual. Is it just a matter of semantics? Yes, the term judge or judging is what we would consider a semantically overloaded term that's why back a few years ago there was so much issue in the united states uh surrounding this uh, organization called black lives matter that's just such a semantically overloaded term because as a christian especially as a, as a white christian in the united states you couldn't put out educational comment content and be like Black Lives Matter is a, is a communist, terroristic, sinful organization. And as a Christian, you cannot support it because it was started by three, uh, LGBTQ, they're trans, uh, black people. And it's nothing but a money laundering outfit. And they have promised that they are trying to destroy the foundation of Western culture and they considered the Western culture, the foundation of Western culture, to be the family. I mean, they 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 said it out loud. They didn't. In other words, this is not hearsay. This is not just well, Tony, you know, this is they they just listen to what they say and they'll tell you their intentions. Well, if you said anything like that, people would respond, "Oh, so you don't think black lives matter?" Well, no, that's not what I said. I said as a Christian. You cannot support Black Lives Matter because of what you're supporting. That's semantically overloaded. With With judging, uh, the term judging is semantically overloaded. That's why, first off, that's why content like this is so relevant. Um, It's because it, it's always in your face. People always talk about it, and people always bend it and twist it and it's always a hot button issue. Good, good comment. Appreciate your comment there, um, Rob. Lady, hello, brother. Just now joining in. I don't know how long I will be able to be here right now. I'm at my kids' home homeschool co-op group, but I will listen to all of it later. Rob, I appreciate it. That's the that's. Um, in fact, I'm just. I've I've read your article in its entirety, and I'm just to the conclusion. Uh, so then, the Bible condemns judging based on appearances and hypocritical judging but the bible commands judging with a righteous judgment let us all strive to be diligent students of god's word and teach people the truth about judging and i'm i hope that you will um take this article and i've I've already put it in the comments section but i'm gonna i'm gonna put it in there again i hope you'll share it far and wide i think it's an article that needs to be spread not just because it helps me grow my numbers on substack but This article needs to be shared. It's a good article, and I really appreciate Rob Levy for writing it. Um, Hey, hey, Alabama, many in the church got on the bandwagon of BLM, and that was sad to see, especially when it came out in preaching. Yes, it blows my mind. And again, this, this is germane to the topic of judging. It doesn't matter what color you are. You ought to be able to go to BLM's website. And you ought to be able to copy and paste their manifesto. And you ought to be able to read it and say, if you put your stamp of approval on this, you're guilty of such. And I'll I'll tell you why. Romans chapter 1, the very last couple verses. Well, we'll say the last verse because Paul writes a long sentence, and I'm going to read all of it who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You cannot put your stamp of approval on the kind of evil that BLM supports. It's it's not a matter of policy. It's a matter of they tell you. We're working hard to destroy the Judeo-Christian paradigm of family. And if you support us, thank you for helping us in that cause. And then we got Christians sending money to them. And incidentally, it's now come out in 2024 now, or it's 2024 come out, um, I think a couple of years ago even, all of the money that was sent in, it's all unaccounted for, or it's gone to these mansions that the upper leadership of that organization purchased for itself out of money and all of the money that was gathered for George Floyd, his family didn't get any of that. Thank you, BLM. It's a sinful organization. If you are living in active sin, can you still preach the gospel? It depends on what you mean by can. Okay. Let me, let me go to the book of Philippians. This is a very interesting very interesting question that you bring up and paul there this is mean, really good and paul's got the perfect there's there's the there's the perfect passage of scripture to deal with that in philippians chapter one um listen to this verse 12 of chapter one but i would you should understand brethren that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather than Unto the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, they didn't hinder the gospel, they furthered the gospel. To the point, so, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some Indeed, preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Now, Paul, how do you deal with this? Some people are preaching the gospel disingenuously. All they're trying to do is add affliction to Paul's bonds. These people are damned. Unless they repent, they are damned. They are in open rebellion to God. But what does Paul say? Notwithstanding, in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I will rejoice. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Um, now, So if you are in active sin, can you still preach the gospel? The answer, short answer is yes. Now, to expand on that, you're you're going to greatly harm your influence. You're not, I mean, just because you preach the truth of the gospel and convert people to Christ, that's not going to get you into heaven because you've got to be right as well. Now, Paul had people preaching the gospel in the first century That were damned they were in active sin and so powerful is the word of god that people in active sin could still preach the word and and the word would still do what the word is supposed to do change the hearts and minds of the folks who hear it those people who obeyed the gospel at the preaching of a of a rebellious individual who's damned they're still going to be in christ now, does that mean that where you are at your congregation, if your preacher, if you you know, if your preacher is like, well, I've got a girlfriend and I've got a wife, well, you need to get rid of him. <laughs> That's, you know, you gotta he he's got to repent or you got uh, he he needs to step down. So, is it possible? Yes. Do you have permission? No. It's possible. Yes. You can preach the gospel. And still be effective and also be an active sin. Here's the thing, and I tell this to the folk up here all the time as much as we know each other, we really don't know each other. I mean, you got you got a fellow that stands up and leads singing. How do you know he's right with God? You only know by what he tells you. You don't you only know by surface things. You don't know he could have, I mean, he could have a basement with twelve dead bodies in it. You have no clue. So can someone who is currently engaged or or currently uh, living in sin, can they preach the gospel effectively? They can. They're, they're able to because the word of God is powerful. Um, do they have permission? God forbid. No, they do not. You can't say you're against abortion and turn around and say you support a woman's right to choose. You're not only using You are not only not using righteous judgment, but you're also condoning abortion. You got that right. Um, Brandon Wiles says, we all sin. There is only one that has not. Yes, but Brandon, to be clear, uh, Reginald Perry's question was not, can a person who sins preach the gospel? It's can a person who is living in sin preach the gospel? So that's, Um, look, and, and several years ago and listen, I don't know if I did the right thing or not. I might've done it differently if I had it to do over, but I did it anyway. And I'll tell you what I did on Sunday morning. I preached a sermon. I preached pretty hard about attendance and I was, I basically made the point like, look, if you don't have a faith strong enough to bring you back on Sunday night and Wednesday night how in the world do you think you have a faith strong enough to carry to heaven and I, I was pretty hard on it my elders wanted me to be that's that's I, I was functioning under their uh, uh, at their behest and one of the older women of the church she said well you went pretty hard against folks that mess I said well yes ma'am she said well what about gluttony? Now this woman's not used to being spoke to the way I spoke to her, but I just looked her dead in the eye and I and I called her by name. I said, "Well, sister, so and so, are you saying that because I'm fat I can't preach against sin?" You'd have thought I hit her with a brick bat. She's now nah, she's not used to being called on the rug like that, and you can't you can't look. I would have much more respect if she would have just said. Well, Tony, I don't know how you can preach against the sin that's which I didn't consider it a sin to miss on Sunday night. I was just making the points. Okay. But she, she heard that if you don't come back on Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're going to hell. She heard if you don't come back on Sunday night and Wednesday night, you're going to hell. Like, okay, that's not what I said, but if that's what you heard, I get it. But. I would have had more respect for her if she had just said, well, you're fat and you're preaching against church attendance or not, or you're preaching on church attendance. How can you preach against sin if you're a glutton? Well, we had a lesson on exactly what gluttony is. Folks, gluttony has way less to do with the amount of food you eat and way more to do with an attitude. Anyway, that's all I got about that. So I wrote an article for the bulletin and I've got it here. I may, maybe I'll release it. The title of the article is, can a fat man preach against sin? And in it, I make the point, if you have to be perfectly sinless in order to preach, then can't nobody preach. If you got to be perfectly sinless in order to make a judgment as to whether or not somebody is in Christ or out of Christ in order to uh, preach the gospel to them, then you couldn't, Carry out the Great Commission. Anyway, Reginald Perry says, thank you, appreciate it. Well, actually, that's not true. Reginald Perry says, thanks, Tony. All right, that's it. What about-ism? Yeah, and uh, got Connie Barden's comment. And then let me get this. Oh, this is part of the BLM manifesto. We are guided by the fact that all black lives matter regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs, or disbeliefs immigration status, or location. We are self-reflexive and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk, especially black trans women who continue to be disproportionately impacted by the trans antagonistic violence. We would, or we build a space that affirms black women and the, and, and is free from sexism, misogyny and environments in which men are, in which are, which, in which men are centered. And that is, that is pretty vanilla as, as, as so the, the, the part of their manifesto where it talked about, they were, they were trained, they were formally trained or classically trained Marxist and their goal was to just to dissolve the patriarchy and to destroy the, the Western idea of family. They took that down because they were getting a little too much flack for it, but their, their, their goal is the same. And you can hear that goal in those words that John Exum shared. All right, folks, we talked about judging today. You think we ought to do it or we ought not? Well, what does the Bible teach about judging? You can't judge hypocritically and you can't judge according to appearance. You must judge righteously. You can only judge and you can only you can only pass judgment where God, you can only acknowledge, or I should say, terrible, terrible, terrible closing, Tony. You can only acknowledge where God has already passed judgment. And that's all I've got. Folks, I've got to get off here a little bit early today. Uh we're we're right at the hour mark. Listen, please subscribe to Substack. Uh go to go to Substack and just and just search for Christianity Now and subscribe. Also, we have uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio and the archives of these podcasts will be on there. And you can listen to them at your convenience. But if you want to monetarily support the show, you can send money to that near churches at gmail.com or you can go be a $5 a month supporter on Substack on Substack next week, Lord willing, I'm getting back into the, into the habit of recording the, uh, doing a narration of each article. Uh, they, they, they get about 14 or 15 listens per article, uh, whenever they come out. So at least 14 or 15 people are listening to them. So that's enough for me to keep doing it. I just, I've, I've had some time, some time management issues this week, but next week I should be back doing that. And I would love for you, listen, he, here's what I would ask for you. It's, it's a lot of work for me to uh, record and upload the, the articles narration. I love it. I like doing it. If you listen to the podcast, if you listen to the narration of the articles, please, Every time you listen, invite other people to do so. And it would be great if every time you listen to one to go put a comment on that particular podcast, which is that, that particular article's narration and say, listened or, you know, good article or bad article or whatever, but just let Substack know that, that you're, that you're active and the, and the narration was, was engaging enough to, to get some engagement. Maybe their algorithm will pick it up and put it in front of more people. Scott Beck. Thank you. Uh, Susan Marie, Connie Barden she caught your culture Wednesday evening class. And it was good. I think it was Wednesday night class. Regardless. It was good. Yes. And listen, I meant that that class was actually supposed to be in the private, uh, m- the Mevo camera set back to some default. And the last two times we've streamed from Riverview, it streamed on my personal profile. It's not supposed to do that. Uh, the, the brethren here won't, want those live streams to be by, to be just for us. Um, but I, I've gotten good feedback on, on the two things that were put out, but they're private now and, and you can't see them. But anyway, that's all I've got. Listen, folks, thank you so much. Connie Bard. Thank you for everything. Thank you to all the people that support monetarily. We need your monetary support. The channel and and brand just keeps growing, and it's all because of you. Thank you so much. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations Christianity Now, and we'll catch you on the flip side.